0: the goal of possession is not just for the entity to think within your proximity. No, it wants to think for you without you knowing it.
1: Welcome back. I'm here again with Nathaniel Gillis. Nathaniel,
0: welcome back. Thank you, sir. It's great to be here.
1: So there's been, a lot of recent work on mimicry, biomimicry, and the phenomena. I think there's been a lot of work with Comb Kelleher mm-hmm. kind of shows like bi-directional, right? Where like w- there will be craft that manifest as our helicopters, but then we'll also design craft that is inspired by the craft that the phenomena appears as right right right. or rides travels in who knows right where is that in terms of your theory right now Hmm. kind of the mimicry and biomimicry like how does it manifest Hmm. itself in some of the things that you looked at since antiquity
0: well the only way we can even begin discussing this subject is by admitting and realizing that the phenomenon is evolving according to our awareness of it. There is seemingly a symbiotic relationship between consciousness in whatever that is out there in the ether. This is evidenced by antiquity when people said, it, said they saw flying shields. And both, what's that it's flying shield? It's weird, even with Kenneth Arnold I saw flying saucers. At the end of the day, it wasn't really a flying saucer. It's not really what happened. But then when the phenomenon manifested next, as flying saucers. So, there again, there's this symbiotic, what I call temptation of belief, where sure, the phenomenon will step into archetypes and descriptions and sometimes mask itself through our memories. And in that way, that is the cognitive interface employed at that specific incarnation. Years ago, my brother was working with a group of ufologists who—I think I told you about this last time, but I'll say it again—was it working with a group of ufologists who were in the Utah Basin, and they were putting like hundreds and hundreds of small cameras on trees, and actually putting light posts up, and then putting them on there, and they were hoping to capture UAPs in their purest form, to where you know you'd catch the phenomenon by surprise, and oop. You know, it clutches its pearls. You're like, oh, my God, we got something. Well, they did. They did. And so I was with my brother one night. We were looking at different videos, some of the footage they captured. And sure enough, they were able to capture. It was, it was a beautiful blue sky. It was a sunny, beautiful day. Out of nowhere, you see this metallic object just materialize. And as it's flying, you see it, you're looking at it, you're looking at it. And yeah, then they're looking at it. And they zoomed in, and this is interesting. It had contorted itself into a Cessna plane. Mm -hmm. And so, when you're looking at it, that incarnation, like that, that evolution of it, compare that to what originally manifested in the left side of the screen completely different. And what we realized was that's not a Cessna at all. That's an intelligence, that's a life form. And so, that was their conclusion as well. But when we're getting into Again, this cognitive interface that does evolve according to our awareness of it. That would implicate two things. Number one, are they making us aware of certain things in order to fit that mold? Right? Oh, I'm an extraterrestrial. Who? Okay, well, y'all fit that mold too, because that's really what I want to do. Anyways, so that's what we're seeing. Like I said before, we've also witnessed that within ufology, gene- you know. Like I said, Kenneth Arnold going out. Okay, yeah, well, so they're, they're yeah, they're flying saucers. Why not? But that was not the original incarnation. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When the
1: United States and China clash, the world will never be the same, especially when forces beyond reality threaten to intervene. What if the United States went to war with the People's Republic of China? How would these rivals fight for supremacy on land, sea, air, and across the stochastic streams of time? What wonder weapons would be unleashed? What horrors would emerge from the irradiated sludge of the South China Sea? What heroes would rise and forever change the course of history? Tread into the deepest and darkest dimensions of the multiverse, gaze through a kaleidoscope of fractured realities, and bear witness to the disturbing visions of World War III from today's greatest minds in science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Weird World War, China Available now from Bain Books
0: at Bain.com. That was just a byproduct of, I said this, and then it gets filtered through a hundred different people. And then...
1: Yeah, like because what he saw weren't flying saucers. They were like... Right, right. It was, I forget exactly what kind of... Not necessarily
0: they were it was skipping. Discs. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, like skipping, a... Uh, but it,
1: like a boomerang. I don't know if
0: it's a boomerang. Yeah, boomerang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. The what I was looking for, at least. Yeah, and so... This gets back it was reported
1: to as as saucers as it went through the right. telephone game basically and then as mm-hmm. a result people started seeing flying saucers same thing with like older experiences where people saw flying discs with rivets mm-hmm. right which would make no sense given the no.
0: vacuum no. space and things like that right and so what we're looking at is an intelligence that is simulating. Experiences, manifestations, this is something that gets very deep, and I've realized this only after pouring over copious amounts of case studies, both the are literature, the debut phenomenon, and then the newest manifestation, the abduction phenomenon, is that when the phenomenon will manifest to experiencers, there are a lot of cases, hundreds, even thousands probably, where the phenomenon would pluck a memory out of the experiencer's mind. tailor itself in that image. And so, okay, it's Dear Aunt Edna. Oh, wow. You know, last time I saw her, she was buried in her favorite red dress. Next thing you know, stuff like that. It's very strange. But yeah, so it would mask itself in memories in order to gain some form of consent or outright compliance from the experiencer. After reading so many of these case studies, I'm thinking, okay, there's got to be, there's got to be something more going on. Like, it's not just, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm here, okay, yeah, no, the phenomenon is asking the experiencer, do you believe I am who I'm appearing as? I noticed this first in incubate cases that I had, one, one specifically in India, where the same entity had manifested as seven different ex-boyfriends.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The first one didn't work. Okay, I'm going to go to the next one. Why? It's weird. It's It's almost like you have to believe in the image. It's much more ontological, you know, than a lot of people would want it to be. And so, yes, I call this the temptation of belief. Do you believe I am who I appear to be? If so, because of what the actual person did with you, then you're obligated to do that same act with me, hence the lover mask. You, you had intercourse or copulated with this ex-boyfriend, I'm that ex-boyfriend. Do you believe I am how, how I appear to be? Yes okay, I'm going to step into that archetype now. And what we've noticed is after the act, when the role is fulfilled to completion, reverses its apparition, the program's finished with that experiencer. The true intelligence manifests in sometimes all hell breaks loose because who is that? What just happened to me? So, there is a much more ontological existential relationship between our consciousness and the cognitive interface the phenomenon employs. It's present, it's real, and it has much more to do with something at least than just okay, I'm playing a role. It's deeper than that, I believe.
1: Now, with all this parasitism and desire to propagate whatever it is, (laughs) if you kind of move away from the UFO topic and talk about encounters with demons and things like that that are more traditional that people are familiar with Mm -hmm. what would be the goal of demonic oppression infestation possession you've already mentioned which is basically Mm -hmm. to propagate the species
0: Mm -hmm. well these are very catholic terms and that's not a bad thing i'm saying that because when you take them out of the religious context You see what it really is, I should say. When you're dealing with an independent intelligence that is courting the human condition of the experiencer, what you're witnessing in real time is slowly building a relationship with that individual. And so, in a lot of case studies, specifically within demonology, the goal of possession is not just for the entity to think within your proximity. No, it wants to think for you without you knowing it.
1: advertise on through a glass darkly email through glass darkly ads at gmail.com
0: and in order to do that it's got to think things like you do it's got to appear as if it is you thinking and so I had a case study where a murder took place and afterwards like the psychologist was working with it was actually two girls that did the killing but one girl was talking to the social worker and explaining like just the different stages that she went through to get to this point. And essentially what she was suggesting is, look, there's an entity that's been visiting me, not just in my dreams, but in person, in my room. And it was just causing me to think really bad things about my family. They didn't love me. They didn't like me. And slowly but surely the entity began to stretch its consciousness into her skin, into her. And now when that entity thinks something in her, that individual has no choice. It's my thought. I'm not even realizing it. The consciousness, just boom. And so, that's the problem. It mirrors itself. It goes along with the individual until it wants to do what it wants to do, and then it acts. And this is the problem that we're facing within the community, When we're dealing with people who are saying, okay, I have guides, and these guides have told me this, these guides have told me that. Listen, do you know that a lot of times, especially within the context of experiencers, that when they are abducted by these entities, that the guides are quiet? And why is that? Why? Because I believe it's a singular intelligence. See, here's what we're dealing with, at least from my perspective, and I've noticed this in witcher literature, demonology, and in ufology, this intelligence will incarnate as something. And that something, that image, that archetype, that mask comes with a set of rules, right? Dear and Edna. Okay, yeah, you're Deer Edna, for instance. Okay, well, how do I know you're Deer Edna? Well, you look like Dear Aunt Edna. and Edna. Okay, well, what did Dear Aunt Edna believe in? Okay, well, you, do you believe in that? And then you see the entity doesn't believe in that because it's not actually Dear and Edna. It wanted you to believe that for a certain time, according to its systematic agenda. And at that appointed time, when it decides to go left instead of right, right, where Dear and Edna, whatever, right, it's going left. Then you see how it breaks from the actual historical record Dear and Edna gave us with her 70 years of life. Now, in times past, we were able to see through that incarnation, test the spirits. Okay. Just like Ted Rice. Ted Rice was an experiencer and psychic that Dr. Coler Turner was working with. He's at home one night and his grandfather shows up in his room. He's thinking, oh my God, my grandfather been dead for a while. This is incredible. It's a ghost. I love it. Oh my God. And then it tries to do something to him, assault him. Why? How did he know that was not his grandfather? Because of his it was him, but- Right. You see that? Yeah, so it's antithetical to the historical record. Now, (laughs) in some ways, it is healthy to think of this intelligence as a program because it, again, it evolves according to our awareness of it. And there are times when it self-diagnoses and it'll pick out a bug. Okay? Oh, my God. I can't believe they saw through that. Well, We're going to have to create something. You know, we're going to have to create a new program to counteract them seeing beyond our veil. And so now, whereas in times past, we could have the ability to test, 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 test. Yeah, she would have done that, right? No. Now what has occurred is the program has introduced a new character to interact with us. One that we cannot test against the historical record. And that is the extraterrestrial now it can say things and we are forced to trust it. And what's so fascinating about this and here's why I believe that a lot of these experiencers who have guides, when the phenomenon manifests as the eth, it transcends the older program. it has the authority. this shuts down because it's now it's the modern incarnation does make it sense?
1: Oh, yeah, especially when making, they ask it, experiencers, like, oh, yeah, you agreed to be abducted before you were born, so I'm happy yeah, to did. kidnap you and do things that yeah. would be considered illegal if a human did it. Of
0: course. And it, perhaps it's making too much sense, which that's okay, too. But look at this. No wonder. Why? And here's something even more troubling. is We have experiencers, especially within the New Age movement, who, when their guide shut down, why? Because... It's like one hand leaves one glove, and then the intelligence puts it into another one. Well, there's nothing in the guides anymore. That intelligence is incarnating in another direction, right? It's a different mask. Now, what's so fascinating about this is that the new mask is made from portions of the old mask. Trust me. I'm good. All this stuff. Well, what's happening now, specifically within the New Age movement as it pertains to UFO abduction phenomenon, is that when their guides are silent, they're going out to other psychics and other friends who have guides. And this is interesting, too. And then when they ask the friends' guides, hey, you know, like, what's going on with me? The intelligence begins to self-confirm what it had already self-diagnosed. It adjusts. And so, then there is this cognitive dissonance where you leave one incarnation of the intelligence and then go to another incarnation of the intelligence to say, hey, what do you think about what that other guy was doing to me? Not realizing you're asking the source of that experience what's going on. Does it make sense? I'm trying to package it in such articulate way because it's sometimes it's very difficult to convey. But what's happening is The negative experience is taken, and then a lot of these people are going back to that intelligence through psychics, not realizing the play, not realizing what the intelligence is doing to them. And then that phenomenon says, listen, I know they did that to you, but let me help you understand it more, right? Mm -hmm. It diversified its identity. It did not diversify its methodology. So, that's where we are. And this is why I get so worked up when people say, well, you know, I watched this with my own eyes and it really ticked me off. But one of the most famous, you know, abductionists out there was approached on social media by a female experiencer. And she's trying to tell her story and she'd already picked up. I think she had a conversation with this researcher, I think prior to that or something. And she's going through her scenario and like, look, you know, they did things to me that were unspeakable. You know, like, it's affected my intimacy between me my husband and mine. It's just devastating. Like I I can't even have children because of what they did to me. And his response was, you need to go channel someone. Yeah. Instead of contacting Dennis Rader mm-hmm. to ask him what he did to you, why don't you contact a BTK clerk? Did I hit a home there? Hopefully, I did. Hopefully, people understand what I'm trying to articulate here.
1: Has that ever happened where like people try to channel these serial killers?
0: Ooh, I don't know about that. That'd be interesting, though. But yeah, so essentially, yes. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, as long as we repackage it, it's not Dennis Rader. This is the BTK killer. It's completely different than Dennis Rader. Okay, those are different terms. Who is the proto-intelligence behind it? And what we've seen is that it will start, again, it will start to self-confirm in the cognitive interface. Well, of course that didn't happen to you. You just misinterpreted it. No, we didn't. That is the intelligence. It's employing what's called perception management. And it's just another apparatus of the propaganda, the phenomenon employs and manifests. It's troubling. It's troubling. It's troubling.
1: So what other forms of kind of this mimicry does the phenomenon
0: engage in? Everything. I mean, even with you're dealing with the ports, you know, Mm -hmm. in some malevolent hauntings, it'll take things from the house, and then it'll go missing, and then they'll replace it with something that looks similar. It's like, okay, Steve Mirror had a case like this. (sighs) He was doing an investigation one night, and the intelligence, for lack of a better term, It stole one of their coffee mugs, but it was a part of a set, right? They didn't just buy one coffee mug. It was like two or three of them. Well, the fourth one was missing. And they're like, what the heck? That's my favorite mug, you know? (laughs) We've watched Super Bowls together. You know, I woke up every morning, and drank from that mug. Well, it's gone now. And then, like a couple weeks later or so, it's returned. And so Steve Merrick, because he's freaking brilliant, incredible. He takes that mug that was supported by the phenomenon, compares it to one of the other mugs that they bought. You know, together, yeah, there were cellular signatures that were different. They did not match. It looked the same, but somehow it was different from point A to point B, and then from point B to point A. Completely different. So How, how, it's how was the
1: signature, like the molecular signature, different?
0: It was an isotopic ratio where it was just different, completely different. But to the naked eye, it looked identical. It's one of the strangest things I've ever heard of. Like, so, what's so the like, same
1: same atoms. I mean, not, not atoms, but right. like same element, mm-hmm. but the isotropic ratio, variation, variation
0: ratio changed. Right, right. The ver- there was a variation there that was not present with the other monks.
1: Which so which, by the way, we we don't really do. I mean, we do in. We mess with isotopes when it comes to nuclear energy, right? With Mm -hmm. uranium and things like that. But like when we're building an aircraft, right? We don't really, it's not like a thing, but it is a thing in the UFO community, right? Like they have recovered parts of craft and the isotopic ratios are different from what you would expect to find on earth.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And he was like, okay, what? You know what I mean? So so these are present where the phenomenon kind of, it does play the role up to a certain point. And this is why I'm often, I'm quoted for this, because it's real and it's prevalent in the field. They're playing by different roles because they're playing a different game. And it appears at least that a lot of these religions in which it incarnated into Okay, with each mask comes these certain rules that people claim the mask follows. So, it's a demon, right? It does demon things. It's afraid of demon things. And yet, in the earliest text of Incubi encounters, which for those who don't know is when the entity appears to a woman as a man and tries to copulate with her, these experiencers didn't even know what the heck it was. Like, they were going to their priests and saying, I feel like I sinned. But whatever that was, the Bible never even talks about, you know, like in, in, like Father Siddharth of Amino, he wrote in his book, Demonality, Incubate and Succubi, where, you know, they're confessing to the priest, but because the experience transcended their language, how can I say I've sinned when I don't even know what that was? And so then you see, like, the imaginations of the demonologists thinking, okay, was it bestiality? Not really. You know what I mean? It it did not fit within the theological blueprint. And so that's when Sinistrata said, okay, good.
1: So Dr. Paul Thigpen Mm -hmm. also mentioned Father Sinistrata, and he wrote extensively on demonology. Mm -hmm. One of the things he mentioned about exorcisms is that sometimes the traditional Catholic rituals just wouldn't work. And they were typically instances of like poltergeist activity or Mm -hmm. trickster sort of energies like, Mm -hmm. you know, to some extent on Skinwalker Ranch where it wasn't aggressively harmful. It was just kind of, there was like a harmless trickster element, but it was kind of a different category where Catholic rituals would not
0: impact it. It's being generous, very generous. See, when you're looking at the Catholic ritual, it was originally designed, see, first of all, they did not design the rite of exorcism. They designed and authored their tradition, of the right of exorcism. The right of exorcism is found in the Old Testament. It was designed to cleanse someone from corpse pollution. It's called the open vessel law. Whereas, if you went into a house and there was a corpse in there, they would then tell their family that, you know, you cover up all your goods, you cover up all the open canisters and vessels so that whatever this is would not pollute you. And so, the idea was that we are the vessel, It can pollute us, if you know, all that stuff. But yeah, so, but I would say he's being generous because even Sinistrari was walking home from dinner one night on a dirt road. And in his diary, he said that there was an entity that manifested. And he's like, "It, it just showed up. And he said, I didn't know what it was. And he said he started to perform all of his Catholic rites. And the entity just looking at him. Shook its head and walked off. So, at least this is where I'm at currently, the possibility is, I should say, let me be more conservative, that the phenomenon leans heavily into an archetype or a mask for a period of time, usually inducing the experiencer into some act or experiment or agenda that the phenomenon is including them in, and at the moment where that mask is no longer needed, it transcends that microcosm and manifests as what it really is. I've seen it over and over and over again in Incubi literature, where it appears as the husband until the copulation is ended, and then it manifests as what it really is and leaves. I've seen that in witch era literature, when the phenomenon was abducting witches, taking them on demonic flights, and then when these practitioners go and they're thinking, okay. It's gonna be a gloomy sabbat. I'm gonna be on the side of a mountain and they're they're copulating and have an intercourse with corpses and demons. You see the, the phenomenon creating a tailored theatrical production designed, literally designed to deceive the senses.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then the frequency that fuzzes out for a fleeting moment, like I said before, the experiencer and the experience make eye contact. And then they realize that I'm not on a mountaintop. See, a lot of times this phenomenon will blind us with our own vision. Now I'm not on the mountaintop. Where am I? Wait a minute. That's not a demon. They were being poked and prodded by metallic objects. Some of them were circumcised. Again, because it's appealing to the human and it's courting the human condition. this is deep, but it's necessary. And so when it manifests, even in times past, it manifests to the senses we employ the most to determine what's reality and what is not. Meanwhile, it's operating on different rules, playing a different game, and it's potentially targeting something within us that we ourselves are ignorant of. That's when these witches realized, some of them at least, It's not a demon. This is why people say, okay, uh, Nathaniel Gillis, sorry, Jordan, my middle name, Nathaniel Gillis believes they're all demons. Pay attention. People are going to watch this. Go through my research, go through my interviews, see how this fits. Because I believe wholeheartedly, this is just a newest, an, an incarnation of the same proto intelligence. Because again, when it no longer wants to be that, then you see. The intelligence that has been wearing the mask itself, and that intelligence transcends every known microcosm.
1: During this narrow window, what do people Mm -hmm. report
0: seeing? It's basically a modern UFO abduction scenario, being poked and prodded experiments, taking sperm and harvesting ovum. And then it's simulating, right? And then you have the missing fetus syndrome. The whole scenario is played over and over again. This is why I'm telling people, you know, yes, it may be wearing a new mask, but that new mask is made of portions, pieces from the old mask. It's hilarious when you think about it because the intelligence has to think we're stupid, has to. What do you mean it's a new mask? Oh, doing the same thing. You really believe that? Oh, that's hilarious. Right, yeah. You know, so it's almost like, Again, to go to the BTK analogy, yeah, I'm Dennis Rader, but this Dennis Rader is made for the BTK. It's the same intelligence. And this is why it's important not to compartmentalize the phenomenon. Imagine you're dealing with a singular intelligence that diversifies its identity according to your experience, belief, and tradition. But once it's done, it eclipses everything and then moves on. But when it does evolve, it will also reincorporate Ancient agendas, ancient incantations. This is why it's important if you guys are watching and listening to this, put a pen to paper or write it down in your note app. The purpose of the incantation is incarnation. Something drew us slowly but surely into a symbiotic, embryonic relationship with it. Now here we go. The incarnation may be modern. What is it? Oh, it's ETH. But the incantations are ancient. That is the calling card.
1: Well, I mean, now you could argue that it's already morphing from ETH to interdimensional or whatever you want to call it, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Which I think it's it's a little bit closer than the ETH. But again, you know, the deeper you get, first of all, let me back up and say this. I don't trust researchers who have all of the answers. Right. I have ideas and theories and hypothesis. Does it make me better or worse than anybody else? I admit this is the significant ontological problem. These are theories. You know, there is are evidence that we've collected throughout the years that suggest one direction and not the other. But I would say this, that the ETH doesn't fit the bill here. This, again, you, when you're performing incantations that are bastardized from Kabbalistic texts, they're not even supposed to work, Sean. Did you know that? Hmm. Let me throw this out there for the people that are gonna watch this. Abram the mage created a lot of these incantations that Crowley used and Parsons used, he and now some of the other practitioners in our government are using. Abram the mage, he was a monotheist, Believed in one God, and he taught his disciples. Yeah, okay, yeah, this is considered magic. But if you do not have a solid fear of God, if you do not have a working theological tradition, if you do not separate yourself from, and this is the, the framing he used, pagans, and you've got to go be alone and give your life to this. If you don't do that, these incantations will not work. And so when a practitioner does none of that, remember what I said, consider these incantations DNA, okay, where if one strand of it is affected by your articulation, it has the potential to create, to basically render the incantation null and void. The right. system's broke, but this is how deep we are, my friend. Remember what I told you, who's, who's conjuring who? they would change the dna of the incantation meaning they would change who incarnated through it the shortest horror story I've ever written the last man on earth was alone in his house and there came a knock on the door that's where we are to change the dna you change who is entering in right Heschel said this, words are worlds. So whatever we're dealing with, it has to have had a masterful knowledge of these incantations. I, I probably shared this with you last time about the remote viewer with the religious amulets.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yep. That's the game they're playing. Those are the rules. And in demonology, that should not make any sense at all. It doesn't. Can
1: you just repeat that, that for folks who haven't seen yes. this episode? Just really quick what happened for sure
0: so uh years ago i was doing a lecture on <clears throat> subdermal anomalies and skin scarifications both in abduction accounts and ontology uh, even in possession cases actually and someone emailed me and he was the son of a famous remote viewer and so he, we got on the phone and he starts pouring his heart out to me telling me his story his father was a famous remote viewer and he said, you know, he said, it wouldn't be anything for me to be downstairs playing video games and, you know, my, my mom's doing something in the living room something. And my dad would come downstairs and tell everybody to get in the living room, turn all the lights off, don't say a word, just listen. And he said, man, he said, tons and tons of times, numerous amount of time, I mean, all the time, virtually. You know, okay, what are we doing, Dad? Why am I turning the game system off? Like, this is weird. No, so and so is in this room right now with us. He wants to talk. And so he would begin to become a prophet, essentially, to this intelligence. And he would often go into sessions where he'd leave his body, meet with his guides. And it was an abduction scenario. He was in a metallic room somewhere, not here. And they would flank him on the right and left sides. And he would get messages. And he would go back into his body call up a local politician. Hey, man, listen, your polls are going to go down in this area of the state. You need to work on that. You need to go there and spit some money on your campaign. And so after a few years of doing that, he said one night, his father goes into a session in his room, lays down on his bed, leaves his body. And he said, at that point, now the story starts, right? Now he's telling me what happened from his perspective. He goes, I knew he was up there, you know, reading and stuff like that. anyways he said i'm playing my video game and my dad stumbles down the stairs he's white as a ghost he's incoherent he's crying uncontrollably and he said we're trying to calm him down but next thing you know he clutches his heart he has a massive heart attack it nearly kills him he said but while we were cutting the shirt off and taking the shirt off there were religious amulets that began manifesting from underneath the skin subdermally to the surface his dad was saying that, oh, my God, it's burning, it's burning. And then this intelligence, which is more demonic than a demon and more alien than an alien, is manifested three religious amulets from underneath the skin to the surface. One of them was the Star of David. The other one was a cross. And the last one was an Egyptian hieroglyphic that arches its way from one side of his chest to the other. That is. We do not have the intellectual apparatus, the demonological apparatus to even quantify what they were doing with that man. It's not even in the worldview right now. Again, this intelligence eclipsed it all. And yet, when he got back into his body, then these skin anomalies manifested. Might I suggest that that is also happening in the UFO abduction phenomenon? We have accounts where people are being taken out of their body, and then when they're placed back into their body, then and only then will the body begin to manifest scoop marks. Weird. Weird. And, and so, there's the symbiotic relationship, but we're not prepared for that, my friend. I'm not, not talking to you specifically, but to everybody. do you really think the nuts and bolts crowd would have anything to say regarding that? Mm-hmm. No, you cannot go to Home Depot, swipe your credit card and get an antidote. Or, you know, no, absolutely not. Whatever they're doing, science is like, again, this is what our early demonologists uncovered. You know, like, okay, sure, it's a demon. It's a demon until it doesn't want to be, until it's used up that mask, and it'll evolve according to our awareness of it. And so that's really what we're dealing with. But whatever magic they're employing, it transcends this microcosm. And for a reason, even your practitioners Oh, I'm a a Thilemite, or whatever, Thilemite, and I'm, what was it, what was the one? Oh, I'm an initiate, I'm an initiate. Okay, sure, right? What I'm suggesting here is this. We think, even practitioners of magic, sorcery, oh, we've got their number, we know it. Well, yeah, if you do this and say this, they'll play by their rules, and they don't. Now, this is what's so laughable to me as a researcher. If they're not playing by their own rules, what makes you think they're going to play by ours?
1: yeah we're not all right well i think that's the perfect (laughs) way to end the episode so thank you again my friend it is always a pleasure
0: absolutely buddy thank you for having me on
1: if you enjoyed today's video please hit like and subscribe and also hit the notification button so you can be notified whenever i post new content thank you now if you're enjoying the channel and you want to support it, there are several things you can do. In fact, there are five things you can do. The first thing you can do is just buy my books. I got plenty of books out in the market right now, and I would prefer that folks buy a book rather than giving me direct support because they get something out of it. they have a real tangible product. The second way you can support me is by becoming a member on YouTube or becoming a patron on Patreon and just go to either site and it'll explain everything. way you can support the channel is by checking out my merch site which is here. There's plenty of stuff that you can get to support the channel. And I'd appreciate that you, you have it and can wear it. Not only do you help support the channel, but you also help promote the channel. And I appreciate that. The fourth way that you can support the channel, and this is really easy, is anytime you want to buy something on Amazon, literally just go to the description below and click on any link, literally any link. The channel gets a cut of that and it costs you no extra money. You just go through the link as I'm part of the Amazon affiliates. Group. The fifth and final way you can support the channel is through donations. Now I don't prefer these because it's more of a expression of gratitude, but you don't really get anything out of it as a subscriber to the channel. However, if you decide to do these options, there's two options. There's buy me a coffee, which is a separate site. And there's also, you can go through YouTube with either a super chat, super sticker or a super thanks. Again, I prefer buy me a coffee because that organization takes less money than Amazon does. But either way, I appreciate any support you are willing to give the channel. So thank you very much and keep watching. I really appreciate it.